Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is Dim Zayam. That is at CryptGM on Twitter. Make sure you go and follow Dim. This is another episode that I sat in for the 21ism project that's ongoing. They're building out the website, doing some amazing work. You've got to go and check out 21ism.com. And this was the first time I got to meet and connect with Dim, and I really enjoyed this interview. Please make sure you follow him because since this recording, he's putting together just the most amazing project, which uh, I can't talk about right now, but as soon as it drops, you will know exactly uh, what I'm referencing. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I really, really got um, a great uh, feel for, for Dim and his work and his passion, and I really appreciate him taking the time to come on. Now, before we hit the main interview, make sure you go and check out coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten to start stacking sats in the UK. Change your fiat pounds for a little bit of Bitcoin each week. You can auto buy and dollar pound cost average, excuse me, into Bitcoin. And if you're in the, if you're in the States, the US Swan have you covered in every single state. You can start going and stacking with them. That is swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Both companies have you covered. Both are Bitcoin only. Both have your Bitcoin journey at the top of their interest and they want you to learn as well as stack. So go check them out. Really appreciate you guys listening and tuning in each week. Let's get into it. Have a great one. Catch you after the show. Welcome, everybody, and welcoming Dim Zayan uh, to the, well, this is the showcase for 21ism. Uh, I will run this on the Once Bitten podcast as well, but this one is for 21ism, and Dim is being one of the featured artists for uh, for this month. So, Dim, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here. So, as usual, I have Lauren and uh, co-host Caitlin here to to ask the first question. So, Lauren, did you want to go ahead? Uh, yeah. So, my question was, uh, why did you start animation? Mm-hmm. Animation? Well, I mean, I'm not... I would love to do more animation. I don't do so much animation um, because, uh, I mean, animation, it's a, it's a really tough thing to do. You need... Uh, Today, to do a good animation, you need a lot of resources and manpower. Uh, so I'm doing the first step, which is a, a comic book. Um, but eventually, I would love to turn this comic book and this story into an animated series. Uh, I started exploring that avenue. Uh, however, it takes a lot of time to get it right. So it's uh, when I get the proper funding, if, uh, if Bultadia gets a, 
as successful as I'm hoping it will be, um, maybe I will do a fundraising to do a, an animated series. And I'm sure that would get backed by many Bitcoiners. So you never know. Or there might be Bitcoiners out there that can do the animation. It's out like next Christmas, and I think I might want it for Christmas. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you already, like, you want the DVD before it's even been made. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got one order. You better get to hey, work, Tim. <laughs> All right, Caitlin, what's your question? Um, why did you name your book Bull Tardia? Ah, that's a good question. Well, you know, a lot of the content in Bultadia, I don't want to take credit for it because it uh, it existed out there. You know, the, the, the community and everything that's happening in uh, on Twitter uh, about Bitcoin is already so rich. I mean, on a daily basis, you have so much drama and so much uh, going on that you can't even, you know, exit the place one day and come back and hope that nothing has happened without you. And uh, uh, Bultardia is, uh, you know, the term Bultard was already used mostly in the trading community to, to talk about people that just FOMO in and, and don't think about the consequences. And people were, um, were uh, using the word Bultard to, to describe the FOMO attitude. Uh, so I use that because there is, you know, for uh, Bitcoin, it's great to be uh, a bulltard because you know you FOMO into the right thing. But when you talk about other shitcoins, you you can be a bulltard in a very absurd way. Overall, I think there's a comical aspect to the term that uh, and has a lot of symbol and has a lot of meaning. So I thought that was that was the right word to use. Maybe if I you asked me if I had to do it again today, I would have chosen a different title but i think back then it seemed it's in legit it's in the like the right title does does that make sense do you know what it means to be a, a bull in in financial markets no. ah okay ah well, well dim can uh he i will pass you back to dim <laughs> okay so so there are two animals in the world of trading there is a bull and there is a bear the bull always think that whatever they invest in is going to go up. They really believe with all their heart and, and soul into what they invest in and they're going to make profit out of it. The bear is very conservative. They, they really think, they listen to the, to the fear, uncertainty and doubt and, and they think that there is a lot of, uh, of potential for the market to go down and they prefer to take their money off and wait, or they are scared, basically. So you have those two animals, and they represent basically uh, two aspects of human behavior. And, uh, and uh, so, so that's basically it. You know, these are, I'm sure there are also smaller entities, other types of animals, but the big ones are the bulls and the bears. Does that answer your question? Yes. And now you know. No. Okay, you guys done? Now you can go trading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Daddy just wants to get onto the podcast. Yeah, let's go. Just, yeah. Just... You've run out of questions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Bye. Well, it was very nice talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Au revoir. Au revoir. Thanks, mate. Uh, so. Hey, you're welcome. 
it's it's great to see uh, the work, and you've uh, obviously uh, you, you've been picked up by Citadel Twenty One, and uh, you're running the uh, the story through that. And many of the listeners might know you from that, or just by following you on Twitter. But let's I mean, we spoke a little bit the other day, and there's there's lots of stories I want to ask you about your past and and what led up to this, and it certainly seems to be like the favorite part of anybody's uh of anybody's podcast whenever they're listening and i certainly for me as well is like the rabbit hole story you know what mm. what primed you for bitcoin and you, you have a pretty crazy story where you've gone from big metropolis big cities and living that rat race life to what you describe now as uh, a forest citadel, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. this is cool. All right. So, and originally from France. Yeah. I mean, so I got to tell you, if for, I assume it's, uh, it's the case for a lot of people, but I think being attracted to uh, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you have to have the mindset of someone who is attracted by rabbit holes in general. To start with, and uh, I, I've always been uh, uh, some kind of a, of, a, of a collector in the sense that I get obsessed by certain things. Uh, I was obsessed by uh, collecting guitars and music before, as you can uh, see here. Yeah. Uh, I've been uh, obsessed by a lot of things related to art, and eventually, um, I've been obsessed with Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, but the environment in which you are being obsessed matters. And you, especially when you're an artist, you are, I consider artists as vessels when they are very much taking in whatever environment they evolve with and they translate it into their art. And um, all my life, I was, um, I was a, a citizen of Metropolis. I grew up in Paris and then uh, I moved to uh, New York City and uh, while it was great for the longest time, eventually, um, you know, I, I used to love to walk in New York City and get lost, explore new areas, explore new streets, discover new neighborhoods. Um, and even in a megalopolis like New York City, there were times where you could uh, escape everything. Over the last few years of where I was there, I realized that this was not the case anymore. Uh, well, I, I was in Manhattan and Manhattan uh, got overdeveloped. Every single neighborhood, whether it's the financial district, the meatpacking district, places that were a little bit more on the remote side, they got taken over by developers and, and people started flooding and there was not that uh, that same feeling that I had when I first moved in. Uh, even if the electricity might have been there for a little while, I just got overwhelmed and I got tired. And uh, I suppose, you know, a lot of people feel like that after spending so much time in one place. But for me, I had enough. I needed to, um, to stop. And uh, in 2017 came uh, the big bull run of uh, Bitcoin. I was already involved uh, since around the Mongox era and um, but I, I was really seeing it as an investor and I started trading around the time of uh, 2017 and because of that uh, big surge I think it, it kind of 
took me by surprise, but at the same time, it completely Bitcoin was acting as a big destroyer of world, and it destroyed my world for the for the best, you know. And and it gave me the uh, the courage to do certain things I would have never thought I would have been able to do before. And one of them was to decide to leave New York City and build, get my own citadel, go off the grid, and uh, and I moved to. Um, a very remote place. I'm in a town of a 2,000 soul. Uh, and I love it, man. I, I just love it. Never I would go back. I know I'm, now that I've tasted uh, the, 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 the privilege of being surrounded by nature and, and being able to, to enjoy that, I realize how much I was missing before. And that's something as a as a as someone that always lived in a city you cannot appreciate you you don't know that you you really need to get away from it and spend a lot of time before realizing that this is something that was missing so i i mean i don't know how you what you think about this but but for me it's a i would recommend to everyone who's been always living in a, in a big city to uh, to try at least to spend some time out and get back to things that are more essential and, and you know, it's the primal aspect that comes back. The, the being able to see wild animals around you walking, uh, it's humbling in many ways. Uh, having to deal with stacking wood and stacking other things than yeah. that, it's humbling. You know, you, you have to, to go back to simple things and I think that matters in, the, in your lifestyle, in the way you think, it changes everything. I fully agree. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean about stacking wood, chopping wood. You know, I love doing that. I get lost in in doing that. It's just something, there's a weird primal instinct. And then building the fire. Um, and oh, yeah. yeah, and we, we have the same. We have wild animals around us all the time. Sometimes like uh, three stag might appear in the forest, uh, you know, that is borders uh, our house. And you're like, my God, these things are huge. And you know they're free like you're just walking around doing whatever they want in the forest and you're like wow it's it's a strange feeling well it does make you wonder as a human being uh, where did we go you know what did we do wrong in the process because we lost i mean it's crazy to think that we are considering ourselves the, the most advanced species uh, we are so uh, capable of so many things that animals are not capable of. We are, I mean, look, we made Bitcoin happen. <laughs> we, we are so technology, te technologically advanced, yet we lost so much in the process, it seems. And um, I think uh, being a, even I was talking to someone about the fact that we don't know anymore how to... Uh, be okay with our own feelings and emotions. It's something that becomes almost taboo in the society we live in, and we're trying to make so much abstraction of it. Um, for me, it's unhealthy, and it's, uh, I think that it's the death of ex existentialism, and that happened, I thought that happened with computers, uh, but it seemed that it happened just after the war, right? Uh, and But definitely the fact that now we, we are so much ingrained with, technology and computers on a daily basis, we start thinking in binary mode, zeros and ones, yes or no, left or right, 
Republican or Democrat. It's it's crazy to think that we are so advanced and yet we reduce our thinking into something very linear on a single axis. And uh, I, I think we need to evolve towards the quantum state, right, where the maybe the, the, is a possibility. It's not just zeros and one or black and white. You're totally right. Uh, and people just get pushed to the absolute brink of not being able to stop and think. It's as if you know, they just don't take a breath. And I look back at my old career, and I can't imagine. I can't even tell you how good it would have been for my whole career, probably, if I could have just taken 10 to 20 minutes out a day to go and sit in a dark room and just try and think about nothing. Uh, but no, of course not. You're expected to be at your desk every minute of the day. And even when you're not at the desk, you've got to be on the emails or the laptop or the phone. Uh, we just don't have that chance. And, and until you exit that system, you, you're you never going to see it. Mm -hmm. Well, and the line of, of interest that we are in doesn't help, for sure. <laughs> I, you know, in a, in a way, there was a time where I was so happy uh, and proud that Bitcoin never stops. You know, the, the markets are always on, even the weekends. Uh, now, I wish sometimes that they would stop so that I can take a break. And people, <laughs> you know, even on Twitter, Twitter should shut down on Sunday or something like right. that. So that you know you, you cannot do anything but relax. Yeah, you're right. It, it's so, it pulls you in. And there's so much going on every day. You're right. You know, if, I, if I'm if i not on Twitter, I try and force myself to stay off it. And I'm trying to get better at um, if I think of something, instead of just smashing it out on a tweet, letting it sit for three or four hours, kind of refining it in my mind, and then type it and then schedule it rather than just like, because if you hit that send, and then the messages and the notifications start coming in, you're like, you're, you're not leaving again. It's uh, it's a mm -hmm. it's a tough thing to handle. But one thing that I find pretty interesting, having lived here for a handful of years now um, and met many French people and taken a close look at what goes on in the French education system, you must have been a pretty big misfit if you were just going to uh, a local school. I would like to ask you about that because you know, th there's not much of a heavy focus on like the arts. It's very very much a, a rigid kind of, uh, of education here. It's all about the STEM. Um, well, at least in, in, the, in the towns that we've lived, maybe you had a different experience in Paris. It might have been more wide open in, in the big city. But did you, how did you, what did you experience when you were growing up? Were you allowed to kind of express your, your artist kind of side? Well, I mean... I, I know that I was always drawn to it, even from the youngest age, I was drawn in two things. You know, I was drawn in a, to, um, to uh, comics and drawing. I, was, I made my first comic, I was probably like 10 years old or something like that. And the other thing I, I got right away into was uh, computers and, and programming, video games and things. Uh, I think I, my first computer was a Amstrad CPC uh, and uh, it came with a, a book of basic. So, <laughs> you know, and I used to love video games. I was playing like all these, you know, these 8-bit video games that have terrible graphics, but they sound so good. And 
And uh, I wanted to do something like that. So I got interested into these two topics from a very young age. And yes, this is not something that was really taught in school so much. Uh, you get a little bit of, uh, of uh, art classes, but very quickly as you get uh, towards the, uh, the, the back, uh, the, 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 you know, the end, when you're getting into, towards 18 years old, it's like you have to make a choice. And uh, the choice that they give you is uh, you can either do literature, economics, or science. Those, those three big umbrellas. And most of the kids, to be honest, at this age, they're not really sure yet. They want to try a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So uh, it's a very archaic model. Uh, I think in the US, they do at least something better in the sense that they give you the chance to pick credits and pick school classes. And, and then you can do kind of a, um, a basket of things you you have interest in, and then you choose a major. But But in France, it's not the way it is. You really are... Uh, into these three compartments and you better make the right choice because after that, once you're in that avenue, there's no turning back. And for most people, and it was my case, if you don't really know, I knew that I was not into literature, at least not, you know, not as uh, at, at that age. Science, it was too strict for me. I, I love science, but the, the artistic component was missing and I didn't want to get in there. So the default option, when you don't know what you want to do, you go to into economics. And that's <laughs> what I ended up going into. And, uh, and uh, I did um, a couple of years at the university, but for economics, and I was a dropout. I didn't go to, uh, to school. I, I started going to other things. And eventually I stopped and I went to do an art school. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not really well designed, the, the, the education system in France. I would, I would argue that it's probably not very well designed anywhere in the world because you, I mean, it's like everything. I believe Everything needs to change at some point. Everything needs to evolve. The big institutions, whether they are uh, educational, whether they are uh, governmental bodies, even about uh, political parties, at a certain point in time, you need to know how to evolve. And when you're big, when you're a dinosaur, it's really hard. It's really hard. So what do you do? You, that's why you get revolutions. That's why you get... Uh, uh, small companies that whenever there's a new technology or new thing that happens, they're going to do better than the old ones, even if the old ones have all the resources, because they can, they are more flexible, they can evolve faster and better and adapt. And uh, I believe that uh, we, we're going to see that eventually in the education system. You have certain schools that are, I think, trying to be a little bit on the forefront and try to be a little bit more flexible. Uh, but it's definitely not something that you are seeing on a broad scale yet. Then how did you end up getting a, getting yourself across to New York, you know, most exciting city in the world, uh, as many people would uh, describe it? And what was your career there? What, what were you doing? Well, uh, the reason why I moved to New York, I fell in love with a woman. 
<laughs> and uh, I met her there and uh, I decided, well, you know, that then I should stay because, uh, you know, at that age, that sounded like the, the logical thing to do, <laughs> even though it was not my, my rationale that was, that was talking to me. And, uh, and I didn't do it in a very... Um, in a very traditional way, I had to, uh, it was difficult because, you know, you are, I was just on a tourist visa, so it was very difficult for me to uh, to legalize my situation, but I eventually managed to do it, and I really wanted to stay for that woman. The, the woman left, but the city stayed, <laughs> and uh, and that, were, that was where my real love story was. It was with the city, and the... The, I mean, you know, when you come from in a city like Paris, where everything, especially back then, was very um, conservative. You know, you, the way you you make relationships, the way Parisians are, especially modern French in general, they are very, very, very. Uh, it, it takes time to to make relationships, to make friendships, but once you have them, they last. In a place like New York, it's kind of the contrary. It's very easy to meet people. It's very easy to uh, make friends. The deep relationships are harder to to get to come to. So, but for me at the time, it was fantastic, and you you get all this electricity, you get all this creativity. I wanted to be there, and for my work, I ended up like doing. Uh, I started working with this crazy guy, crazy, crazy, crazy guy, probably the craziest man in New York City. I was looking for an apartment and it was a real estate agent and I was walking down West Broadway and this guy, Iranian, comes out of the, his office and says, what do you want? What, do you, what are you looking for? Well, you know, I'm looking for an apartment. I don't have that much money. I'm here, you know, on a visa, etc., on a tourist visa. He said, I have the perfect thing for you. Come with me. He grabs me by the hand, gives me a bike and he grabs a couple of strangers like you know people I, I don't think he even knew them and he gives them a bike as well and then he, he we we bike down soho and he takes me to this fantastic loft and he tells me this is your apartment i say well you know i don't think i have really money to, to pay for it i mean this looks like a really nice place he tells me don't worry you're gonna work for me so i ended up working for this guy making websites for him to pay my rent. Uh, he was completely exploiting me because I was really getting paid for the rent. So I was not making that much more money. But it was a fantastic experience. I got to meet a lot of people. Uh, it's literally the craziest guy up to this date. I don't think I've ever met a guy like that crazy in New York City. But uh, but it was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, it was priceless. <laughs> That's a great story. You're still in touch with that crazy guy? Every now and then, we, uh, I see him on social media. I think he moved. I mean, I can I can tell you, we could spend hours talking just about this guy. I have so many stories, uh, but uh, maybe another yeah. another show. So that that, that laid obviously the uh, the foundations uh, of you being able to stay in New York and probably network your way into um, into other work. Yes. So. Basically, I, I moved on from uh, one place to another, but most of it, most of my time in New York City, I was a freelance. Uh, I started doing uh, flash games back in the day where it was all brand new and it was fun. And uh, the, the internet was the Wild West. 
And uh, even though I was, my background was artistic and I was you know, doing paintings back then, I did a few shows, I quickly was attracted to, uh, to uh, the, the world of internet because it was new, it was a wild west, there was so much going on and there was a potential to do things artistically speaking. And so I went in there, I started doing games, I started doing um, experimental projects online and it was a lot of fun. And eventually, you know, people wanted more and more of it. So I started to make a living out of making websites and doing consulting for, uh, for uh, uh, startups who want to have an online presence and develop their business. And uh, so I went in that line of work up to the point where it became very mainstream and the fun was gone. Uh, there was everybody started wanting the same recipes, started working off templates. Uh, everybody, everything was marketing heavy, and there was no place for art. There was no place for experiment. Or it was very limited. And my uh, my motivation really went down the drain. So when uh, and that was at the time where I really got introduced to Bitcoin around the same time. So I think that was a perfect transition for me to find a new rabbit hole to dive to. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's why it happens. You know, I, I decided that's it for the internet. Uh, I'm still going with the, with the digital world, but I want to get back into something that uh, has more potential to, uh, to be an explorer and discover and, and try new things and, and be a little bit on the, on the forefront. And again, you know, it's like everything I've done before, I'm trying to find the what's the artistic side of it? What's the emotional connection to something as dry, uh, uh, potentially dry, as a, a topic that relates to finance and technology? And uh, and I believe that's uh, that's my role today as an artist to uh, to explore and expose that side of things. Because even if this is if Finance and uh, and talking about the digital currency is something that seems to be uh, where there is no potential for for emotion. It's made by people who are impassionate and have so much of their own self involved into it that there is tons of emotion, tons of of stories to tell, as you can as you know very well since you're doing this this podcast. So. So uh, for me, this is a, there is a huge potential from an artistic point of view. Yeah, it's, um, oh, I, I'm not an artist myself. Uh, I've not ever really fallen down that rabbit hole. Uh, but I can see like the, the amount of work that, that people are putting out there. And, you know, it, it's, it's a huge, huge area. Um, and you, the, the, the same is going to happen with film. The same is going to happen with music. The same has already happened with audio, right? Yeah, there's plenty of audio podcasters mm-hmm. out there. Writing, I mean, like the, the the level of the bar of the writing is as good as anything else we've we've ever read. Um, and it just, I mean, it, it's going to follow, right? And more and more artists are going to get pulled into this. And like the challenge, like you said, and I've had uh, Petek on the on the show before, Radar Rain, who drew this Doctor Flow, 
uh, I say Drew, I've probably done a disservice there. Um, you know, it's a, <laughs> it was a lot more than just drawing. She's got moon rock on the bloody canvas. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> But she, she, she said she was challenged by the same thing that you just mentioned. It's like, how do you take this thing and make it tangible and put that, all of that energy and all of that feeling and all of that emotion onto a canvas or onto whatever medium that you're using? Um, and that, that for you, I can clearly see why that would just be so intriguing and something you would want to take a, a shot at. And you sent me a few snapshots of your your trading view uh, pieces. Do you want to tell the listeners what what you were doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to say one thing before is that um, I believe you're an artist as well. I mean, when you are in in one way, when you are doing something like a podcast, it's a it's a craftsmanship, and you are uh, choosing an angle in the way you approach it and the way you what you want to extract out of it that makes you an artist because it's all about how you want to, what you want to bring to the table and how you interpret it. Uh, anyway, so that, that okay. Thank well, you. The, 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 the training view story is an interesting one. I kind of have mixed feelings personally about it because uh, the results, even though they were successful, were not satisfying from an artist point of view, but uh, it led to many things. So, the, my my introduction to uh, Bultardia came via uh, the the Trading View platform. In case your listener don't know what the Trading View platform is, it's a it's a it's a website where you have a lot of tools, financial tools, to do a chart analyzing, and and you can you know display a lot of things on your chart and see well. The price of not just Bitcoin, but any uh, any tradable asset goes. Um, anyway, I, I thought that uh, I was trading back then, so I, I went into this, and I I thought that charts can be very beautiful visually. If you look at a chart, uh, depending on who's making it and what you choose to display on it, you can turn it into a work of art. Uh, obviously, you know it's always a work of art that uh, follows uh, some kind of line. But what means line, you know, it means that there's a story because every day the chart changes. And I thought, oh, how can I, how can I bring, how can I turn that into something interesting to tell a story? And how can I tell a story about Bitcoin? And uh, so I started doing those, uh, those drawings on the chart to tell the story about the one coin to rule them all. And the one coin to rule them all is obviously... Uh, taken from uh, the Lord of the Rings, the, the one ring to rule them all. Uh, that was a way to basically tell, hey, there's Bitcoin and the shitcoins are, you know, all the other ones. Uh, but, uh, and it followed the story of the honey badger um, that was evolving through the, the chart. So the, the work of art had two purposes. One was to tell the story and two was actually doing real-life analysis of the price of Bitcoin. So it attracted, strangely not, I, I, I didn't think that it would have that much success, but it attracted a lot of people and eventually it became one of the most, if not the most viewed chart on TradingView. And, uh, and people uh, really got excited about it and wanted more. So um, I continued the story 
I'm really not proud of it because it's full of typos and grammatical errors. TradingView doesn't let you edit, so you can imagine how terrible this is. Once you put it out there, that's it. Uh, and uh, But quickly, I got frustrated because even though it was successful, making drawings on these view on these charts is very tedious it's uh, it's not really designed for that and i got frustrated i wanted to have a different medium to express all the things i wanted to express so that's where i took the story of uh, bits the honey badger and decided to turn it into a real comic book at first it was a digital book uh, and uh, and then eventually i turned it into this this printed book and that's where um, I, uh, I saw that uh, Odlonaut was actually starting this, uh, this zine online called Citadel 21. And it was for Bitcoiners, by Bitcoiners, to talk about Bitcoin from a cultural standpoint. Wow. Wow. That sounded exactly what I was looking for. So I... Uh, I, I sent him a message asking, hey, you know, would you be interested in my comic book? It talks about Bitcoin. It's a honey badger story. And, you know, I, I just gave a shot and said, yeah, yeah, I love the story. I would love to publish it. And that's how it started. He told me, okay, come uh, on uh, volume three. You're going to publish the first two episodes. And then uh, if you want to continue, continue. And uh, that's what we did since then. So what's next? Are you uh, you constantly got ideas bobbling up in your mind? You, now you kind of it seems to me as though you found the the, the exact thing that uh, it fits your work, fits your vision, fits your style. Well, Daniel, I got to tell you something. That's actually uh, coming up with new ideas is not a problem because, like I said. There is so much going on out there. The Twitter drama is ongoing. I mean, look, uh, one day uh, you get uh, Michael Saylor uh, talking to Elon <laughs> and making everybody crazy. The next day uh, you get the XRP uh, uh, lawsuit. And, you know, you cannot, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. There's always something to talk about. And the characters, I mean, look, so many so many components of the perfect epic stories. You have the heroes, you have the bad guys, you have a lot of bad guys. Uh, you have uh, the drama, as I said, you have the adventure. There is all the components to make a perfect story. The biggest challenge I face is that as a, as a solo artist, I have too much to tell and I have not enough time and not enough resources. So I really need to curate and edit. And that's really what's hard. Because look, I would love, at, when I started doing uh, episodes on, uh, on Citadel 21, I was very ambitious. I was putting a lot of, of it and the, the episodes were long, but quickly I realized that uh, keeping that pace on a monthly basis is going to be very hard. So I had to scale down and on top of it, I'm making the website and I'm making the print and I'm doing illustrations and you know I want to keep doing my painting work because there is a lot that I, I want to... Uh, do and explore on that side uh, and like i said you know i would love to do the the animated version so the the roadmap is 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 there's a lot going on yeah that's awesome and you get to do it all out there in the citadel tell us a little bit more about the citadel i'm sure the people listening would love to know uh, you know how did you find the place where did you um you know like just give us the surrounds 
Sure. I mean, uh, so Citadel 21 is, uh, uh, is really maximalist-centric. So if you, uh, if you love crypto as a whole, you might get offended at times. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you are uh, really believing in Bitcoin and only Bitcoin, then you will, you will love it. You will think that uh, there is a lot of, of uh, stories out there that resonate. And uh, what was great about uh, Citadel 21 and what uh, Odlonot and Bitcoin Katia uh, wanted to do is to give a voice for, for plebs, for people that are not necessarily having one uh, out there. So the articles that you're going to read are not by the 100 plus, 100K plus view followers accounts. It's from people like me that don't have... Uh, a lot of following yet, but still have a lot to talk about. And uh, and you get a communal feel in the sense that the voice goes in one direction, but at the same time, so many different point of views. And, uh, and it talks about everything from personal experiences to, uh, to uh, really uh, tips on what to do when you're starting. And you really have this, uh, this very rich ecosystem of Bitcoin maximalists that that share their personal experience and knowledge, um, and I highly recommend people to uh, to go online and take a look at it. The whole content is entirely free online, so everybody can access it. And if you're really into it, you can also buy the print uh, if you want to hold it for the future. Because I really do think that uh, those uh, those magazines will become iconic. And uh, same goes with Bultardia, actually. Yeah. It's also free online. And uh, if you want to get the book, yeah, I'm doing a limited edition. The first, uh, so it's 210 copies. The first, I'm dividing into 10 sets of 21. And uh, the two first sets are already sold out. And I'm releasing them uh, as uh, I have time to actually do it because I was taking orders manually until the site was up and... I get my uh, my BTC Pay server, so my server to accept Bitcoin payments uh, ready. But until then, I was taking uh, uh, orders manually, and uh, it was just more work added to uh, to uh, to my pile of work, and I less time for me to make content. So that's why I'm doing very small batches. Yeah, you you mentioned something there about the the maxis, and if you are more widely into air quotes crypto you're not going to like the magazine and i totally get that um why do you think so many other people i think it's one of the most misunderstood and possibly underrated uh things about bitcoin that outsiders looking in just can't grasp they don't understand like uh like the cyber hornets, as as Michael Saylor would say. Once you, you you try and and I know this personally because a friend of mine that was it was that one thing when he grasped that he's like, huh? What do you mean? There's this underlying bunch of hardcore people that call themselves hodlers that are you know th- th- that. He'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah, you've got the fanboys of a Tesla stock or whatever else, but 
um, or an Apple fan for all your life, but nothing like like this, like the the passion and the emotion that's uh, behind it. Why do you think that exists, and and what hope do you have for the future? You know, we say Bitcoin is hope. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a loaded question. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, there is a, a religious aspect to uh, the, to the fanatism behind uh, maximalism. I gotta be honest with you, and maybe some of the, the maximalists that are going to listen to that are not gonna like it, but it's probably. A, what the aspect that fascinates me the most and at the same time scares me the most because uh, when you talk about something when you talk about something that is almost like a religion and you say the word religion and fanatism in the same same, same sentence historically speaking it doesn't end well <laughs> but so apart from that i i feel like this is also how revolution start this is how breakthrough started by this level of passion and belief and if you don't have that then you are held back uh, i think this is those people the, in the group these are the same people that are going to be the leaders the iconic leaders of tomorrow if we enter a real new era and you will have also the, their arch enemies coming from the same group. So there will be at some point in time a moment where people are going to split, take slightly different path. There might have been people that have the belief system but want to be a bit moderate, and other ones are going to be so hardcore ingrained in, in what the first iteration was that they're going to be completely impervious to change. And now we probably will eventually probably become the enemies of tomorrow. Who knows? You know, it's if you look at historical models, that's usually how things goes. Uh, but it's so early to draw this type of conclusions right now. I think at the moment, everybody's on the same boat. Everybody's ready for, I don't like to say that, but it's the beacon war to defend their citadel and to make sure that their ideas come across and any cost, at least at the cost of their own lives. And uh, they're not ready to give up on their own belief. Um, my, my wish, you know, what I regret from, from uh, back in these last few years is that the very first era, so the 2017 bull run, people were, you were a lot of innocence into it and a good spirit. So... Everybody that was into Bitcoin, even though they were already the ICOs and, and the XRP armies, etc., it was really uh, fun and good-spirited. You had, of course, the, the, the wars on Twitter and, and fire was really thrown out. But still, the, the general feeling was not the same feeling as we have today. And I believe that also has to do a lot with how divided the world is right now because of the COVID, because of of you know the, the political instability and uh, and the division is greater than ever and i believe that even in uh, in uh, the, the the sentiments in uh, in the bitcoin community you have that translated and you have a lot of hatred and you have a lot of of the negative feelings as well 
uh, they are part of the of the pie. You know, you, you have to make a, the recipe. You have to have those elements. But I wish that uh, we're not forgetting at the same time uh, the the first the first set of feelings that really made people excited to discover new things, to try new things, to experiment, to uh, to uh, to give the motivation and energy to make the the ball move forward in the right direction, not just fight. Fight is important, but you also have to create. Yeah, and does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It does. Uh, and uh, it's so great to see that the amount of creation that is going on, uh, the, uh, the the projects that uh, are being put together, the the new companies that are coming out. And w- when you look back at 2017, man, God, it seems so long ago, but at the same time, it seems like just yesterday. And, you know, we, we had we, we, almost nothing compared to what we have today. If, like, you compare the material that we have today, like artwork, for example, nothing, right? No no real artwork to, to talk of. Mm-hmm. Certainly no uh, picture books talking about uh, Bitcoin in the in any way, shape, or form. We've had an explosion of books, an explosion of podcasting, an explosion of YouTube channels. And it is, and the DCA service as well, which uh, is just so important to to the whole ecosystem, the on-ramps where people can come in and instead of getting wrecked and early and, you know, picking their ball up and going home and never coming back to the park to ever play again, you know, they can come in and, take it easy and, and and enjoy and get on Bitcoin Twitter and learn in so many different ways, the ways that best suits them. It's, uh, it's great to see. Yeah. I mean, you know, you always have, even in the art, uh, on the artistic side, especially nowadays with all those NFT platforms, you have a lot of artists that come in just for the gains, you know, and uh, I mean, you look at things like Rarible, you can see artists that can post, you know, create things in, in five minutes and post it. And, and if they have like a little bit of, of cloud, they, they know they're going to sell it, you know, and it's fine. You know, they, they come in for the gain and, and their production is at the same level as what they expect. Uh, and it's okay. You know, I, I think it's like the shit coins and the, the, the ICO project, even though they are terrible in a way, I'm happy that there were some because it's, it proves that the only resilience it comes from Bitcoin. The rest, they will fail and people will see that. And it it really validates the Bitcoin model. And at the same time, people need to try to poke holes into the system. And by creating, uh, by trying to create an alternative currency, by cre- trying to make a Dash or XRP, you realize that these holes are not doing anything to Bitcoin. It's not going to sink so the ship. For me, they are important. <laughs> they are imp- yeah, exactly. Yeah, they sink their own ship. And, uh, and I, this is really valuable. Uh, if there were none of these uh, projects that, that were made, I don't know if Bitcoin would be where it is today. It would have taken probably longer because the adoption level, the, the awareness also comes from those people that get wrecked to your point. They start because they, they invested, they heard of ETH or, or, uh, or uh, I don't know, Cardano. And, and they got into this because, you know, somebody said, hey, look, I made some money, blah, blah, blah. They go into it and then they realize they get wrecked and then they say, oh, wait, but Bitcoin is here. 
so maybe that's also a way to bring back some of the 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 fervent the, the next wave of bitcoiners you know yeah let's hope so well dim if you had one orange pill left to give to someone who would you give that person who would you give that pill to and why Who would I give the orange pill? Well, you know, I would have liked to give it to Elon, but it seems that uh, <laughs> somebody has already done that for him. Uh, although, you know, he's not uh, 100% there yet. Go, Michael Saylor, go for it. <laughs> Convince him. Uh, so who would I give it to? I would probably try to give it to... A religious figure. I would give it to somebody like a, I don't know, if you're a Christian, the Pope or the Dalai Lama, because that's uh, if Bitcoin is supposedly the new religion, that's that's also where uh, the the spread needs to happen. It's for people that are already have the mindset of being fervent and uh, and zealots, and you know, uh, maybe there's some card to play on that side. I'm not really. I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious myself, except for, you know, uh, Bitcoin. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I do think that uh, uh, if we had to, to say, to talk in very crude terms, there is a market for it in that direction. Well, last time I checked, the llama wears orange. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's it. He's the target. There you go. <laughs> I, there must be a meme well, out there. Do this. you think that would make... There's, there's got to be a meme out there somewhere, a little B sign on his lapel or something. That, that if there isn't, someone will make it. I'm sure. There is one famous meme on the trading side where you see uh, the Dalai Lama looking at a chart that goes down of Bitcoin, and then eventually the chart makes that pattern that goes back up, but looks like a uh, the the Buddhist sign. So he's like, he takes off his glasses, he look at it, he's like, what is it? And then the chat goes back up and say, ah, okay, that's fine. Everybody, everything's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, what is, go ahead. Memes are, memes are really uh, also an, another artistic uh, side of, of uh, the ecosystem that's really important, I would say, essential and, uh, and taking off. And I'm really glad to see uh, that so many, so many very talented People are actually spending a lot of time making them happen. Uh, I, eventually, I believe that uh, this could also become um, a validated art form, a recognized art form on its own. So, so I, let's keep an eye on this. Yeah, that some of them are just brilliant. I, I love the way they take some of like the the old classic propaganda style posters and slightly change them into a, like modern day and put a little bit. Bitcoin meme in there, it's uh, it's brilliant. Yes, it's so important. I mean, it's worked for millennia, right? That that's we know this is a medium that works, and uh, to be on yeah. top of it is this is this is our battle, right? Jeff Booth called it. This is a fight of our time, and the memers have a very very solid part to play because this is what people's attention is right now. It is down to one second scrolling through a feed, and if you see a meme, and if a meme catches you. At the right time, that could be your first glimpse at the rabbit hole. Absolutely, and uh, and such a, 
elegant is probably not the right word, but an efficient way to deliver a comedy. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about the drama part, but the comedy part is definitely there. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. And to, just to explain to the listeners, uh, the 21ism, uh, each month they showcase, they'll showcase a memer of the month. You are this, uh, this month's uh, artist of the month. You'll have a musician. And um, I'm doing it this service because they have a few more other categories where they, a little bit like Citadel 21, they concentrate on the plebs and bring each person's different skill and uh, and showcase that in a really cool way. You know, the 21ism.com website is definitely worth checking out. Definitely, definitely. And uh, and uh, all the categories, you have uh, you have the writers, uh, you have the, the designer, the artist, you have uh, a lot of great content on 21ism. Yeah, I completely forgot about the writers. I knew I was doing a disservice to someone. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well it's this way, it's been great getting to know you uh i really appreciate it and uh your time um is there is where, where should people come and start looking for you uh, obviously i urge people to come and find you on the the 21ism website but when they find you there where how else can they reach out to you so definitely on Twitter. That's uh, I used to use other social media, but uh, I've uh, I've given up on uh, the likes of Instagram. So and I I'm focusing on Twitter. And um, bultardia.com is my website. It's uh, in uh, I'm actually in the process of redoing it. So a new version should come out very very soon. And in that new version, you'll be able to. Uh, access a lot of the content of the episodes and uh, you will also have the the store where you will be able to purchase the book if you're interested and uh, of course citadel 21 now citadel 21 used to be a, a monthly magazine but now they are published every two months so the next one is coming in january 21st they are published every 21st of the month and you will have the next episode of bultadia uh, on uh, that uh, magazine on that January 21st Excellent. 21. look forward to it man thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me Daniel cheers mate take care bye well there you go guys I hope you enjoyed that one with Dim and that you go and follow him on Twitter like I said at the beginning of this show there's a whole new project that he's been working on and putting together and it's pretty special and hopefully that will be dropping in uh, a week or two so just keep an eye on his twitter feed and uh, and watch what's coming out a lot of great stories in there i uh, love the citadel forest um you know here's someone that's fallen down the rabbit hole and is trying to go as self-sovereign as possible and you know embrace the the ethos of bitcoin and that that is now showing through his work and the the comic has as you heard is now being showcased in citadel 21 and of course 21ism who this uh this is for so please go and check out both of those projects as well because they're they're both excellent before we before we wrap this one up i just want to make sure uh i give a shield to everybody who's paying attention and enjoying the show 
and liking it and rating it and reviewing it. It's all very humbling. Really enjoy the banter as well on Twitter. A few people have picked up on the fact that I have written a book. Yes, that is true. It's called Choose Life. It's pinned on my Twitter profile, so you can check it out there. It's available on Amazon. Now, we'll hopefully be doing an audio book project this year as well, so you can go check that out. Or go find it on once-bitten.com. There is um, some more information about that and myself there as well. Don't forget, before we end, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.